HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. My name is Brandon Hoy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Help the people who help Oaxaca. Since 2009, Seconda has been supporting Oaxaca's underserved communities. Almost 5,000 people annually see their lives improved by this Mexican NGO. They've built and stocked six green libraries and four rain harvest hygiene stations, benefiting around 800 children and youth. And they've provided training and business coaching for over 120 female entrepreneurs. And much of that work has been done with the recycler communities that have grown around the garbage dump sites in Zachila. All of that, really, is just the tip of an ever-growing iceberg. They've also supported legislation and implemented localized trainings designed to prevent sexual violence against girls and youth, eliminate child labor, forced labor, and violations of labor rights in Mexico's sugarcane and coffee sectors, and address the causes of gender inequality. And their small staff has done all of this without ever having offices of their own. For the past 13 years, Seconda has been hosted within the premises of a local bakery, a very kind gift from a very good corporation. But Seconda now needs their own home. They've acquired a plot of land and found an architectural firm, Sands Pond Architectura, willing to donate their time to develop plans. Now we need to raise the money to make those plans a reality. The cost of these new offices is around $100,000 U.S. They've received a matching grant from 818 Tequila that will cover half of that if we can raise the other $50,000. Seconda has done so much to help so many. We're asking you now to help Seconda. Help them build offices that will enable them to continue their existing work and to expand their programs that make Mexico more just and equitable. Make your fully tax-deductible contributions for Seconda at buildoaxaca.com. That's buildoaxaca.com. And thanks. Thanks. 
top, everyone. This is Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps drink ex bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. And Pachuca. And Pachuca. And Pachuca. Today, Chava, because, you know, we spent all this time researching and writing the the article for Inside Hook about uh, whether or not Pachuca um, is, uh, uh, is for celebrations exclusively or what? Well, or, or, or is it just some a product they make to sell? Yeah, yeah, products? yeah, exactly. We spent so much time doing it, I figured, well, we should we should get double use out of the research. And I think that a big <laughs> part of the motivation of, well, like to write this article in the way it was written is because there has been a little bit of uproar about selling and buying pechuga. Well, I, I think little is actually an overstatement. There has been a lot? No, no, no. I mean, it's an overstatement. There's like almost none. Oh, really? That almost was just, none. There was just one comment on the internet that I read, and I think it's a whole horde of people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right, exactly. And, and to be fair, it might be happening more frequently, and nobody's really reporting back on it. But yeah, there was there was this dust up uh, because a chef in a New York restaurant uh, who is from Oaxaca saw that a pachuga was being sold at the bar in the front of house, and he was offended. Because this is a sacred product that will only be, can only be served during the festivities of his town. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you like, I, I hear the sarcasm in your voice, which <laughs> sorry, I think sorry, is unfair sorry. sarcasm. Yeah, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Right? Yeah, I, I think it's unfair sarcasm that. because, yeah. you know, I, I, you and I both know that there are some communities where that is going to be 100% accurate, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I... Wow, you actually would push back against that a little bit, you know. Okay, so tell me why. Well, you know, uh, we just made a. I, I was just filming in Matatlan uh, the opening of an aging barrel, and it was uh, it was a whole ceremony around it. It was a whole process for the family to bless the barrel. Uh, you know, they did a, a little bit of praying around it. They opened it. It was it was a big thing. It yeah. was like this special thing and that when, they were sharing. And I'm sorry. And when you're saying barrel, do you mean literally like a wooden barrel? Yeah, wooden barrel from H Agave Spirits. Okay. And as uh, as you know, significant as this was, they were selling it. They were selling it to us to sell, to send it to the US of A. So do you? Okay. So do you think maybe some of that was just show for those guys? I. I mean, I, I, like, I don't live inside their heads, but it, it felt rather genuine to me. And I think, like, I've been in so many of the parties in rural Mexico where I've, I've been uh, given a bunch of spirits that they, yes, they made for their festivity, but there's no rule that will prevent them from selling that. And I'll give you an example of rules that they do enforce and in which I've been caught in the middle of. When I was, um, you've been to Etla? Close yeah, to yeah, the city. Sure. So it's in San Agustin, Etla, where I used to, I lived for about six months. It's one of the places where they do one of the biggest Day of the Dead uh, celebrations. And it's two towns that are connected and there's like a small band fight. So they get into the middle of a huge plaza and one band is trying to play louder than the other band until they shot. We, we call that Battle of the Bands, but keep going. Yeah, yeah but a lot better than what you, whatever version that you guys have. And uh, of course, so I used to go to that party rather often. And one year that I was there, I, I decided that I wanted to dance. You know, like the, the, <laughs> there's there's this band playing, and they're and then they from... canceled the party. Well, no, they took me out. They were like, "You cannot dance. You don't. You're not allowed to dance." Only Wait, the what? Place. Yeah. So I mean, 
at that specific moment, only the people that had done their social service in the town and were from the town were able to dance. Huh, okay. As an outsider, you didn't have the right. So they took me from the neck, out, and you're not allowed to dance in this party, kid. Well, okay. So, like, you're saying that that's an example of a rule where it's real. Where, where yes, yeah. And... Well, you know, I, I think it's unfair to suggest because you've had you've seen a couple of instances where things that clearly had significant meaning to a community were then sold to to then extrapolate that all communities <laughs> would sell anything that is significant to them. Oh, well, there's a bunch of things that will never sell to you, like Rufina. So this woman that I know and, and his family, which are like second family for me uh, in Atsompa, more than once I brought people to their houses that have tried to buy the massive pots where they store their water. Right. These are pots that are maybe 60, 80 years old, were made by their mother or grandmother, mm-hmm. and they've been offered quite a significant amount of money for them, have never sold them. But I would I would guess that if we went around to enough communities, maybe we should just spend a year doing this, went around to enough communities asking to buy their pachuga, somebody at some point is going to say, no, 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 we need all of this for our religious fiesta. You don't, you didn't earn this. It has happened to be the other way around where we arrive to a place <laughs> and everything has been drank already. I think we have never, right? Like that has happened to us quite a bit. I've... I don't know. Do you have any story where you arrived to someone's house and they told you, I cannot sell you this because this is for internal consumption only? You can try it, but you cannot buy it. You know, the one time I can think of it, who do you think it was with? With Lalo. Yeah, it was with Lalo <laughs> where, you know, he was happy to to uh, uh, share it but not sell it was the um, uh, the mezcal that he was aging in his family's clay pot. Yeah, but yeah, okay. That that that's an, that's an interest, but that was connected to his own nostalgic processes. That was not connected to my community will kill me if I sell this to outsiders. Okay, but you know, so you're suggesting in essence like a third arm here. A little bit, yeah. That it's taking quite a long time. Uh, <laughs> now, now that we're talking no, about no, no. it, but no, but I, but I think it's, I think it's a fair one. But I think there's also a side to this that is entirely commercial, which is. Well, uh, which is so, so when we were doing the research, um, you know, we came across this article. Let me, let me find my note here. Came across this article, um, not an article, I'm sorry, a book written by this explorer, uh, M. Desiree Charnay. Oh, wow, you're French, Lou. I know, right? Desiree Charnay. Mais c'est beau, ça. So um, he he explored uh, uh, he explored Mexico in the mid 1800s and wrote a book that was released in 1887 called The Ancient Cities of the New World. And there was a bunch of interesting stuff in there, but the piece that I was most most tickled by was when he ends up in uh, Teotihuacan, Puebla. Teotihuacan, well, it's not. Yeah, Teotihuacan, I guess. It's not Puebla. I don't think so. No. What is it? Mexico City? No, you're just wrong. It's, yeah, it's yeah, either Puebla or Oaxaca, and I'm pretty sure it's Puebla. Teotihuacan, the huge archaeological site at one side of Mexico City? Oh, Tehuacan. 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 Ah, <laughs> Come Sorry. on, kid. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Tehuacan, Puebla, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
shows up there and uh, and he's offered two special mezcales and he's very excited about uh, what he was referring to as the um, not brandy what was he calling it the cognac the con- yeah the, the Indian cognac the in- Indian <laughs> cognac <laughs> um, so he said the best expressions were these two that he was offered uh, one of which was pachuga which he said was distilled with a chicken in the still and then the other one uh, let me just find the word here was cabasita which he said was was made with a calf's head in the still in the in the pachuga style in the pachuga yeah, style yeah. and like i've searched for that since i found that in this book from 1887 i've been doing as deep a dive as i'm willing to do you know which you know still pretty shallow um but i can't find any evidence of anybody doing it before or after which Makes me think as I'm reading this book, the guy's going on and on about how little he pays for it. And, you know, he's treated like a king in these communities. I really like to think that this might be one of the first documented examples of uh, of the Mexicans taking advantage of gringos showing up to, to <laughs> right, to pillage, to pillage palenques. <laughs> really? I'd like to think that, yeah. Well, 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 you, like, I mean, you, you're, you're saying that, but I... Yeah, like for the longest time that I've been visiting Palenques, yeah. and again, we have established that gringo doesn't mean from the U.S., it just means an yeah. outsider. Sure. Uh, I think the only time where I felt like they were trying to take advantage of me was when they just drink mezcal instead of water, and that's why you're making a face? No, yeah. this face is because I can't wait to hear what you think the one time was, but please, continue. Oh, have you been with me uh, in moments where they yeah, tried to take advantage sure. of me? Yeah, for sure. Really? Yeah, like, and I don't blame. I don't, you know, you show up and we look like we're carrying money. I don't blame them. They well, want money. I'm fine with that. But please like continue. No, yeah. I think the only time where I felt like they were trying to trick us was when we ended up in, I think it was La Mixteca Alta with some kids that you had been before, and they didn't have actual mezcal to sell us, and they tried to sell us colas, tails. Yeah, no, I know. And, I know uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember. Yeah, the... and, and and it was, and I honestly think because they thought like these kids are not used to mezcal, so they will want something like that. It's softer, and the softer thing that we have is colas. That's the only time where I felt like they were trying to trick us. Oh, I feel it so often, and I, I again, like I don't take offense at it. No, no, but... I want an example. <laughs> I, I, I honestly like they're too numerous to name. I mean, even the even the mescaleros that we love, and I'm not going to start naming them because I don't, you know, I don't want to insult them in print <laughs> on air, whatever you call this. Um, but I often feel like they're saying, "Okay, here's well, okay." So without naming names, right? One one mescalero told me this is this was made from. A guy who's a really good friend of mine is made from this really rare mes- uh, rare agave um, that w- they thought was extinct, and oh, now it, and it's called Bacuela. And they found one copse of it, and they let some of it go to seed, but the rest they made into just one liter of mezcal and, you know, willing to sell it to me. And I was so excited by the prospect of that. I was like, okay, uh, I'll give you a thousand dollars US for that liter. And, um, you know, and you, if, as long as you use that to help germinate the seeds, like, sure, it's going to be decades before we see this again. And then I come to find out that that's really just tepestate. Well, yeah, but. And the very next time I went to visit that same mescalero, he had tepestate. 
Or and and and, you know that's just that's just the the funniest example I can think of. And I don't again I don't take offense at that. I get it. Like I'm fine with that. (sighs) I I feel like it happens to us more often than not. That yeah. I never felt like I. I'm not saying it's like an inhospitable, slick. I it's just okay. You know what we we need something today and. There was a guy. There was a guy that you sent me to, oh. whose um, whose son uh, was running the palenque. The father never did this to me, but the son one day when I showed up, um, I, I just wanted to buy a piece of board from the fermenter that they that was already broken. Like they couldn't use the fermenter. I just wanted a piece of board I could bring home to show as an example of what the wood of these fermenters looks like. And uh, and he charged me uh, $100 US for a piece of wood that's like maybe a foot long. But that's not taking advantage. That, that's... Well, do well, you? I, well, I don't know wait, if you wait, can wait, hear wait. my face, yeah, but, but are well, you getting a face? Well, what I, what I... I guess what I'm trying to get to is that, like, I don't see that many iterations of your tourist trap in 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 mezcal. Yeah, like I, I think there's other things where there's very clear tourist traps, and most of the scene is plagued by them. In mezcal, <laughs> what I what I what what I've been learning, what I've been perceiving is that even the things that, are, that at some point were thought to be tourist traps are or can be delightful products. And that's the, oh. and, and, and that is one of the examples of, of pechuga that it can be a tool sometimes. I have nice inter- way to bring it back around, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, I have interviews with, with mezcaleros that were like, you know what, we had a batch that we were not super happy with. And it was like, you know, as just a pure agave batch was not, like tasty so we decided to add some apples to it and do a pechuga de manzana and it was awesome and we were able to save this batch we're not super happy with right so which is great yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. and i don't like that i don't consider taking advantage of when somebody says oh this is very traditional it's made with calf's head and then i don't find any (laughs) other mention of it that feels a little like playing the tourist You're playing the tourists. And again, I have no problem with that. But, you know, to get back to that whole idea of um, of pechugas as marketing tools, I, I think that's great. I think if people it's I think it's terrific selling those to a market that gets so hung up on everything having to be traditional. Right. So you you've got you've got these this tiny little bubble of mezcal geeks that goes crazy if you age something in wood because that can't possibly be traditional, right? And you and I both know that that's not accurate, but like it 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 sets them off. And then here's this thing where yeah, but but the, but the thing that makes more sense about pechugas, if I can defend this group for a second, is that most of these wood barrels they come from outside. You know, they're gringo barrels. They are like English or like th- these are usually these these barrels are being imported from elsewhere. Whereas here, the pechuga tends to be done with very specific ingredients that are obtained in the community. Of course, now there's uh, they've been doing all sorts of crazy pechugas lately. But I think that one of the appeals of the pechuga is that you are trying like little traces of the fruits and nuts and animals that live in these places. Oh, 
do not do not hear what I'm saying as all pachugas are uh, are just manipulations of the market. That's not what I'm saying. There are, there are absolutely pachugas that are meant to appeal to the market of 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 crazy mezcal geeks who get all excited about these exotic ingredients without and, question. And it's also another thing that I like about pechugas. I mean, for example, Isidro's pechugas, yeah. they're so freaking subtle. So it's it's like real. I wow. know, I know, I know. No, Isidro's is yeah, not yeah, yeah, subtle. Yeah. On paper, they're but, not, but uh, but on on the palate, they're super subtle. Like Is- Isidro Rodriguez from uh, uh, Rio de Parras, bottled uh, or available in the U.S. by Malbien. Uh, I think like even if on paper he's using trout sometimes or like crazy stuff in in his it's not pechu- just trout. Yeah. You got you got gamecock trout, yeah, 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 yeah. chocolate duck. But but on the palate, I find them extremely elegant and subtle. And I think that it's another access that you as a consumer can have to the palate of the producer. It's like yeah. visiting the palate of the producer in, I, in, I, a, I, in a game where that I, person has more tools to show what they're capable of. I, and I, I wouldn't disagree with that sometimes. Mm. And I'd also say that sometimes it's just people saying, what can I throw in here that's crazy that will get somebody to look at it? And and I'm not saying that one is right and one is wrong. Quite the opposite. Again, like I I think it's a way. I think if if a mezcal geek falls in love with a bacon pachuga, and it, it opens their um opens opens up their prejudice in such a way that they're like, okay, well let me let me try this other thing that isn't traditional. I think that's great because as you suggest, these mescaleros. Sometimes they want to experiment. Yeah. And if the market tells them, no, 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 it has to be traditional and it has to be our version of what we say is traditional. Oh, man. Right? Yeah, you end no. up shutting down a uh, a creative person's ability to create. Yeah, hey, absolutely. And yeah. I mean, I, as a conclusion, I would like to say that, and, and I think we've been repeating this a little bit now, but that pechuga serve a lot of different purposes. I think that that is what we're... Porpoises? I don't think I've ever had a porpoise pechuga. Purposes. Oh, that uh, makes more sense. But yeah. it, or very, various objectives. And it can it can be to celebrate something. It can be something really internal and family-oriented. It can be a little bit of trickery. It can be some over-the-top marketing. It can be an experimentation of new flavors and approaches to your spirit. And I guess that you have to try to know if it's good or not (laughs) that's it yeah yeah. and decide for yourself you know and and so i'll accept that as the conclusion but i've got two notes oh lord okay okay so one is uh, an episode that i want to do in the future is i am um completely befuddled by befuddled the idea that when you go to santa catarina minas and they're making their uh, pechugas by and large in clay pots that at the end of the distillation, you cannot eat the protein because there's nothing left of it worth eating. Mm. Uh, but you can eat the fruit. But then if I understood our friends at uh, at El Helgorio properly, at the end of their distillation of pachuga, you would never touch the fruit, but they would always eat the turkey. 
You don't well, remember this in our yeah, conversation? Yeah, 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 but why wouldn't they, I don't remember why wouldn't they touch the, the fruit? They said that there's, it's tasteless. There's nothing left in it. And so it's the complete opposite. And maybe that's the copper still, or maybe it's not. But I feel like, A, you know, I want to do that episode. But B, uh, I'm not going to let you get away uh, with saying that, uh, oh, the, the, the barrels come from outside. And so that's not the same thing when you're wood aging. So we'll do a, an episode uh, momentarily on, on aging, mezcal's aging in wood and we'll have a further conversation about that yeah yeah absolutely and uh, and to be honest though they they very often come from the outside i not didn't say always. they didn't but i'm not gonna let you get away with the I, like that's a dismissive thing okay now, right, now right, hold right. all of your anger okay, uh, right, and right. angst for the uh, that episode and i will catch you there great and grand hasta pronto yes this has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Periban. Sound Engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. A Gabby Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. A Gabby Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly, eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.